Hello. So I'm just diving in here, uh, excuse the pun, before today's episode begins with our superstar swimmer, Lisa Shaw, to tell you about a little yoga and hiking Reset Rebel retreat that I've got going on next month in May. Now, just in case you wanted to join us, there's one room left in a twin sharing, or you are, of course, also welcome to take it all to yourself. Uh, The dates are between the 6th and the 9th of May, which is super exciting to actually be back running these events again um, and get the girls together for a magical three nights of movement medicine. Um, We're going to be kickstarting on Friday afternoon with some arrival drinks poolside. Then we're going to have a gorgeous dinner made by our fabulous chef, Sophie Tavner, who's also worked in Michelin star restaurants as well as the Ibiza food studio in Ibiza town and run her own private pop-up events um, and is an all-round goddess, basically. Um, I haven't eaten her divine offerings for years, so that's going to be an absolute true taste sensation. And then on Saturday, we begin with a little music-infused yoga beat session to whiz out the knots from your travels to join us. We will then be brunching um, slowly with coffee and catch-ups before heading to Moon Beach, which I've only just discovered recently and is absolutely amazing. We'll pop there on a slow stroll um, down the hill, take a little dip before heading back to the casa for a little stretch out with me again and a divine dinner once again with our gorgeous culinary creative goddess Sophie. Then on Sunday morning we will once again meet on the deck in the countryside, uh, the yoga deck there and there's literally like goats and sheeps cruising past at any given moment which always makes me smile (laughs) when they pop in for a look particularly when they start um, making lots of noise Um, and then brunch will be served right after that um, and then we'll be going on a trip to see the Portanach Lighthouse, uh, popping down to Caladen Sarah for a quick swim and a little snack before wandering back to the Casa for a glass of Carva or Fizzy Pop by the pool, um, getting ready to head to Los Enamorados for a sunset cocktail or mocktail. And that is literally my, my favourite restaurant on the whole island. It is absolutely spectacular um, with incredible views over the port of Portanach out to the fishing boats at sunset. And, and we will just literally marvel as the sun sinks. And then on Monday morning, um, we'll get the week off on the good foot for you in paradise with a last yoga class with me, a yummy final brunch, um, and then you can laze around the pool until your taxi comes or your transfer uh, to take you back to reality. Now, if that sounds like something you might fancy doing uh, between the 6th and the 9th of May, do drop me a little line to joe, J-O, at joe yule, J-O-Y-O-U-L-E dot co dot UK. So that's joe at joeyule.co.uk or message me on Instagram um, at The Reset Rebel and I can hopefully get you booked in if you feel like it's time for a mini reset in Ibiza. I'd absolutely love for you to join us and um, we've got a really amazing group of women all coming um, together and um, you know it's about time basically to be um, celebrating life and getting together um, the way that we usually have and it just feels like it's been far too long. Okay, on with the show. Reset Rebel. 
welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And a few weeks ago, I was admiring, as always, the fabulous artwork of Charlotte Archer on Instagram. And it covers the walls of the co-working space at the Hub, where I also work in Ibiza and run my podcast courses. And I was browsing through her stories, and I happened across a post about a lady called Lisa Shaw, who was about to embark on an 860 kilometer swim around all five of the Balearic or Petusus Islands. And her reason for lining up such a challenge is to raise awareness of trauma and PTSD in children and young adults. So for me, that felt like a good enough reason to reach out and see if she would talk to us today for the episode, as she'll be the very first person to have done such a brave thing. And I'm delighted that she is joining us right now, live on the line from Scotland, I think, uh, and fresh out of the pool uh, from this morning's training session. Lisa, welcome to the Reset Rebel. Oh, hi, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. Are you in Scotland? I am in Scotland, yes. I'm, I'm about 40 minutes outside of Edinburgh on the coastline and a really beautiful stretch of coastline here. I do apologise, might just hear an ambulance passing me. <laughs> Something going down in Scotland. It sounds um it sounds a bit hectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily where I am it's actually very quiet. That's that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> Fingers crossed everyone's all right. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you so much for, for making some time. I know you've got a really, really busy um training schedule on the go. So we'll get into the swimming side of things um shortly, but I kind of wanted to kick off. Um, with you know just your connection really to Ibiza and the fact that you grew up here tell us a little bit about about that uh, about growing up on 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 Ibiza I only left Ibiza five years I think it's now five or six years ago Um, still going back and forth and visiting but I was there since the first visit I I made to Ibiza I was eight years old Um, my dad uh, stepmom both live on the island um, and then I was back and forth when I was very young and then I eventually moved there I made the move when I was 14 years old and then I stayed there until six years ago and I was working there um, first of all I was actually working as a, as a dancer I went into doing dancing in the nightclubs um, and then I started my own business there and it kind of led on from there really and then yeah and then six years ago I decided it was time to vacate so, I mean, I, I kind of read part of your story that Ibiza kind of saved your life. Do you want to do you want to tell us a bit about, you know, how how that actually happened? Or I mean, it really comes down to to long distance swimming. Um, I was a competitive swimmer when I was younger. I gave up competitive swimming when I was just before I was twenty, um, and then after that, I, I went into just swimming in the sea as, as a as a hobby, really. Um, and obviously, as, and as you know, it's so beautiful in Ibiza and the water is so, so gorgeous. And I would go out for swims. Some days I'd, I'd plan just to go out for half an hour and I'd end up going out for eight kilometres, maybe longer. And this just became something that, um, yeah, would happen regularly. And the swims just became longer and longer over time. Um, before that, though, I was I'd, I'd been kind of challenged with mental health since I was very young I was diagnosed with childhood PTSD and um, from that I had kind of I think like a lot of children um, who have been challenged with mental health or are challenged with mental health unfortunately the uh, mental health um, system is very overworked and uh, and there isn't enough resources for for children to get access to help 
quickly. Um, and so I was one of those kids. And once I was diagnosed, I didn't have kind of any help after that really to know where to go, or what direction to go in. Um, so I kind of had to find my own path. And I found that going on these long swims was something that really supported my mental health over time. And from that, I then realized actually how different the islands also looked from being in the water from a whole different perspective to being on land, um, which kind of gave me that real thirst for more adventure and to explore the islands um, for long periods of time in the water. And so it just kind of came hand in hand. And what I was finding is that the longer I was in the water, uh, the more regular I was going and swimming long distances, um, the more I was supporting my mental health. And really without that, well, I guess it was a hobby. I mean, now it's obviously part of my life. It is really kind of more my career. But back then it was just a hobby. Without that, um, I think I would have been in, in a lot of trouble with my mental health. There were definitely moments I really struggled. Um, but whenever I went to the sea, whenever I came back out, I found that I would be in a completely different state of mind and body. Um, so, yeah, it's just became something that's now being the main support of my mental health for the last 18 years. What were the what were the first signs that you think that you were you were suffering from PTSD or how did it you know how did that diagnosis come about? So when I was um, when I was really young, I was actually misdiagnosed and I was diagnosed with uh, manic depression um, at 16 years old, and I was given medication at that time, and um, I'd actually gone to the doctors because I, I felt just very unbalanced. Um, I was very emotional, and I felt that I wasn't able to speak to, to anyone. I didn't know anyone else that was, was maybe the same as I was, you know, and I, so I felt very different. Um, and I eventually went to the doctor to speak to them and say, you know, something's not right. Um, they'd been going on for quite a long time. I've been finding that I was feeling really down at times. Um, and I spent a lot of time in bed. And so when I went to the doctors, they did, um, they, they kind of do it, they analyze everything and you have to fill out these forms and so on. And then from that, they diagnosed me with manic depression and they gave me medication and I was kind of sent on my way. And that was really the last time I'd seen anyone, you know, I continued taking this medication for a long period of time. I was told I'd be put on a waiting list for, um, for therapy or psychiatric help or whatever it is that they feel that you need. Um, it kind of all comes under the same category, I think, when you go on these waiting lists. And they did say at the time that the wait was anything from seven months up to a year. And I actually never got called. So whether I fell through the system, which I think a lot of children probably do, um, I was never actually given or offered any support. So from that, I ended up trying to get support myself. So going off on my own to do it. But every time I would go to do that, I just think I probably wasn't in the right place to do that. I was very young. Um, I did then eventually um, find some help and I was then told to go back to the doctors. Um, they felt I'd been misdiagnosed. I went back to the doctors and then they did again another assessment um, and they came up with, they thought that I had uh, childhood PTSD. Um, so I was diagnosed at that point. Again, they said we can put you on a waiting list that may be anything from a year to two years at this point. So it was kind of going up each time, which I was, you know, it was obviously quite, um, it's, you know, it's obviously not nice to hear that when you're when you're young and you kind of you're reaching out for that help. Um, and then as time went on, I just took it upon myself really to look for um, the help and uh, look for support groups and other things that were based around PTSD, which actually is very minimal. There's not a massive amount out there. And this was quite a few years ago and it's still very much the same now. Um, so 
so yeah, so from that, it, it would be maybe three years after I'd been diagnosed and put on this waiting list, that I finally got a phone call from the NHS saying that there had been um, a space opened up for me to be able to get some help. But it had been three years by this point. And lucky enough for, for me, I put stuff into place already to help myself. But that was because I had the support of swimming around that. Um, and that was the thing that was keeping me, really keeping me sane, I guess. Um, and having that kind of routine and something that I guess was for me and felt like I was achieving something constantly. So, um, yeah, without the swimming and then without actually being able to put the things in place myself, then I do wonder where I'd be these days. I mean, can you describe that battle with, you know, that undiagnosed PTSD for all those years without knowing, you know, where to turn or what to do or what was wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely... Um, I mean, I, you know, anyone that listens to this that has been challenged with mental health, I think that there's there's many things that can be very similar through all different types of mental health. Um, but there are also things that are very distinctive in different types of um, diagnosis as well. Um, with childhood PTSD, it's it, that's probably one that is very uh, misunderstood or misread um, because children obviously don't understand what's going on and the way that they're acting. And because childhood PTSD is only really coming to light now, um, I guess parents probably don't also really know how to detect the signs of it. Um, I was just extremely confused a lot of the time. Um, I would have these kind of flashbacks of things that I wasn't sure had happened or not. Um, I would have uh, terrors, night terrors. I mean, I had night terrors until I was quite old. They only really stopped about probably about five years ago so you know that's that's kind of pretty much gone into my later years as well um and having moments where my anxiety would flare up having anxiety as a kid that's something I definitely didn't understand at all until I was in my late 20s I actually understood what anxiety was so all that time I had no idea what the anxiety was but I would feel very out of control of my body um, I'd get tingling in my fingers, um, lose sometimes the feeling of my hands and that would kind of run up through my my arms into my body, which is kind of a very common sign of uh, moving into a panic attack. So from anxiety into a panic attack. Um, my breathing is something that would be compromised. Um, that's And I only know that now looking back on that. Um, and swimming was something that always supported my breath. So I'd find sometimes on land that I'd really struggle with my anxiety and my breathing. But when I was swimming, I would have, you know, my breath would be absolutely fine and I wouldn't struggle with it while I was swimming. So that was something I became conscious of when I was growing up. Um, But really the main signs for me were the kind of flashbacks, um, the night terrors, and then not being able to sometimes grasp very simple tasks. So, you know, just... um, as simple as getting up in the morning, as simple as making your bed or making something for yourself to eat or grabbing a glass of water. And again, like I say, these can be very uh, misunderstood through or misread through other diagnoses as well, because there are a lot of similarities between kind of depression and um, and also PTSD. Um, So yeah, so those were really the signs for me. What do you think caused the the PTSD? Is there any one specific event or is it just something that just came on over time or? There were, there were a few things um, being brought up in kind of um, a kind of unsettling background, I guess, uh, in my childhood. And yeah, so there were certain things that definitely had triggered it. Um, 
but for for most people will be a traumatic event that's happened in their lives and Sometimes, depending, there's kind of a mild case of PTSD that you can have, which is where a traumatic event may happen. Um, you struggle with that for, for some time. You're challenged by that for some time. Um, and then slowly over time, that begins to settle. And then there's kind of an extensive PTSD, which is where you have a, a life-altering traumatic event that kind of sits within the body and, um, and stores and it stays with you over time. And then you end up being challenged with it for for. Well, some people forever, if they, they don't know the signs of PTSD and they don't know how to get the help. Um, so yeah, for me, it was it was something that had ended up stemming into my, um, yeah, my later years. Uh, but once I was able to understand what PTSD was and I was able to un- know what kind of help I needed, I was then able to um, to take control back, I guess, of the of the trauma and uh, and now be in what is the best place I've ever been in my life. So. Were you not worried when you started sort of swimming that perhaps you might have like a panic attack while you were out on, you know, miles away from dry land? (laughs) No one's ever asked me that before. Um, And do you know what? I've actually probably never even, that's probably never even crossed my mind because swimming is one of those things, you know, if you've got something, you know, that just makes you feel so good. And, you know, it's, it's like an addiction. It's just something that made me feel so great that it was always a positive feeling going into the water, whether it be a pool, whether it be the sea, you know, a lake or whatever it is. For me, it's always such a positive experience. Um, and I guess, actually, I've only come to realise now you've just said that, that I've never even thought about, yeah, feeling anxious when I'm out or having a panic attack when I'm out at sea. It's some, there's something about it for me. Um, it's not a fearful experience at all. It's something I find very peaceful. And when I'm swimming really long distances, your kind of first part of the swim, maybe like the first hour, you might find that the mind's kind of, you know, ticking away. You're thinking of lots of different things. And then eventually you get to this point where, and I've spoken to long distance swimmers before. Um, I don't know many that swim the kind of distance I do, but anyone that I've followed um, who have swam very long distances say the same thing. You get to this point where it just becomes a real state of meditation. And everything, it's like almost like everything stops, time just stops. And it's a really peaceful place to be. And you're not bothered about what's beneath you or what's above you. You're just planing in this kind of flow-like state, I guess. Um, And so it's probably the furthest I could be away from being anxious or even being close to a panic attack. But it's funny that you've mentioned it because I haven't actually really ever thought about having a panic attack in the water before because it's just never crossed my mind. So yeah sorry to bring that up yeah let's not no, no, let's not manifest that. anything no, I, I, I mean, love that. I've never thought about that so. it just occurred to me because um I once uh, a friend arrived and I and I picked him up from the airport and we went straight to burn our ass and we threw off our clothes with gay abandon and jumped in the water and and I challenged him to a race to the rock and it never occurred to me for even a second that I was not going to make it to the rock. And I never thought twice about it. And it was the most amazing experience swimming all the way there. And then about three months later, um, a friend and I were there again and we decided to try the same thing. And suddenly this fear and anxiety kicked in of what would happen if I got stung by a jellyfish or what would happen if I run out of, I don't know, run out of steam. And I think the anxiousness just basically completely disabled me from continuing and the waves were quite fierce that day. So I think, you know, just that extreme terror and doubt 
sunk in. And as soon as that started to happen, I knew I wasn't going to make it and I had to turn around and go back. So I just wondered, you know, what happens when anxiety strikes in the water? But clearly you've never experienced that, which is a beautiful story to hear that swimming can obviously empower you in, in that way. And I think, you know, when did you decide to sort of take matters into your own hands then? I mean, if you're suffering from those kind of symptoms to, you know, start trying to create a daily routine and something that, you know, really helped your headspace and obviously your breath to return to normal um, is quite a brave step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny, actually, just just what you were saying then about going into the water and the second time that you went into the rock. Um, I guess one thing that for, for a lot of people, I mean, in that moment when you were first going to go and swim out and you hadn't done that before with your friend, I guess it's new, isn't it? It's exciting. It's something, it's an unknown. And sometimes you step into the unknown so quickly that you don't have time to think about all the the things that may impact you in a more negative way. Instead, you're kind of in this, you know, you're on the adrenaline and you're just going in and you're, you're, you're on that sense of adventure and that exploring um, something new. And then the second time you come around, you've got a little bit more time to think about it. You know, you've done the swim, you know what's going to happen. So you've got now, the, you can think about what else could go wrong, what other dangers could happen. Um, and naturally, you know, we, I think as, as humans, we kind of sit, we can sit very quickly in the, the fearful side or the negative side before we think about the positive. And I think with me going out and swimming, because I'm doing these swims, obviously the same over and over again, a lot of the time in my training, I try to really just keep that focus on the fact that the experience that I had, the first ever experience I had, um, you know, I went out and, and it was even I'd swam in the water before. Um, it was an unknown for the distance that I was doing. And I would go out and I would just allow myself to just swim until I was ready to come back. You know, I mean, sometimes I have to actually force myself to come back because I could just keep going at some points. Um, hence why I'm doing such a long swim. Um, but stepping out into that unknown for the first time and knowing that it had such an impact in such a positive way on me is something that I definitely hold on to each time I go out. So my mindset is always to a positive, is, is always thinking, you know, I remember how I felt that first time and I remember how I felt last time. And I just try to stay as focused as possible on that. Um, these days, I really eradicate anything in my life that doesn't make me feel good. And I try to really just stay focused and keep implementing all the things that make me feel good. Um, My mindset is definitely key, but to be able to control the mind, the breath is something you have to control first. So I spent a lot of time doing breath work prior to going out into into a pool or even uh, into the pool, into the ocean um, and trying to warm my breath up as much as possible and trying to keep it as strong as a connection to my breath. And once I, I have that connection and I'm able to find my rhythm, and feel that I'm fully warmed up through my lungs and I find that my mindset completely shifts as well. So if I'm not feeling great, if I've had a bad day, um, I'm feeling a little bit down, I'm feeling a bit challenged by any sort of mental health, then if I spend time focused on my breath prior to going into the water, I usually find my mind shift sets, uh, my mind shift, um, mindset shifts, sorry, <laughs> and I end up um, feeling a lot calmer before I step into the water. I would never go into the sea without knowing that I'm, I'm in more control. I have to be in control of, of the things that um, can lead to things like anxiety and so on, which is, is really the breath. So I always make sure, first and foremost, that the first thing that I am connected to. 
I think that's very important. I mean, you know, the first sign of stress and our breath completely and utterly changes. And um, yeah. it's just very intriguing how you can, as you say, completely recalibrate the breath through breath work and obviously just the natural rhythm of swimming itself. I, th- I was really interested to see that you're a big fan of um, Diana Nyad, who mm-hmm. swam from Cuba to Florida um, in her sort of uh, her 60s through some of the most shark infested and jellyfish uh, infested waters um, and she almost died three times um, and managed to finally complete that swim at the age of 64 so I know that she's someone who's Ted Ted talk you've listened to a few times to to uh, you know get up the get up the bravery levels to I guess attempt some swims like these is she is she somebody that kind of um, really you know inspired you to to take on this five island challenge Oh, without a doubt, yes. She's she would be my my biggest inspiration. And um, there's two women. It's uh, Diana, and then there's uh, Kim Chambers as well. Um, and but but Diana was always the the biggest inspiration for me. She had gone through some childhood trauma herself, um, and she felt safest when she was in the water. And I guess that was that was a thing I related to. And you know, my my kind of goal really is to help to inspire whether it is one child um, to be able to follow their dreams around their, their traumas, around their mental health challenges, um, like Diana did for me. I mean, but she is really the, the motivation a lot of the time when I feel, you know, when I'm lacking in that motivation, um, I pop on her, her podcast or her TED talk and, you know, it's like a whisper in my ear that says, you know, you can do this. And I look at her and I mean, goodness, she was it you know, 64, as you said, when she completed that swim. Um, and she swam nonstop, you know, for three three days through the night, um, stung by jellyfish, you know, I mean, she tried this on many, many attempts. She actually didn't swim a stroke for 30 years before she came back to the swim. So she tried it in her 20s, failed, and then she didn't swim another stroke for 30 years after that. And she was a very well-known uh, endurance uh, swimmer prior to those 30 years. And then she never sw- swam again. And then one day she got back into swimming. And it was, I think it's her her drive and the way that she explains the journey. And it is the journey. That, that was always the thing that I took from her was that I wanted to do this swim seven years ago. And then again, for the last three years, COVID has obviously played a huge part in stopping the swim from happening. Um, obviously this year looks positive that's going to go ahead and everything so I'm super excited about that but what I have learned and I look back on over the last seven years is that ultimately I wouldn't have probably been able to have done this swim because I don't think I would have actually been in the right place every time I look back I think the development that's happening over these last seven years is what is developing allowing me to grow towards doing this swim and as much as the destination is such an important part to reach, you know, you want to get to that finish line, even though this is a very long journey, um, swimming all these islands. The fact is, it's the journey that is the most uh, poignant part, and the most um, life-changing part for me. You know, when I when I get to that finish line of, of the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth swim, um, that will be a, a, an achievement for sure, and I'll be absolutely stoked when I get there. But it is the journey which is allowing me to become the person that I'm I'm meant to be and that's what I always took from her so she keeps me present and I think that's probably why I like her the most is that she makes me always reminds me to remain present in what I'm doing always be aware of the growth that I'm I'm building and the direction that I'm going in. 
Well, she looks she looks ferocious when I saw her, uh, <laughs> her photo. I was like, good Lord, that's not a woman I would uh, want to be messing with down a dark alley. And, um, got some serious shoulders on her and um, she's leaned in and um, looks very... <laughs> very fierce indeed um i was so impressed when i read about her i was like god jesus i mean that's a that's a a very determined woman and i'm i'm so excited to hear more about these um these crazy (laughs) around the island swims i mean i've walked around um all london 254 kilometers uh, of ibiza um on around Mm -hmm. the island challenge with um, the madman that is toby clark who's also featured on this podcast many times but i you know i that's just obviously well that was incredibly challenging and the biggest challenge it took me like 12 days um yeah. but presumably i mean you're starting with formentera 72 kilometers in july um mm-hmm. i mean you're not going to swim all round five in one day you're going to do them all separately all separately yeah <laughs> that is a question i get asked um, just checking often. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some people think I'm swimming around all of them as a collector, so one big perimeter of the hall. But no, I'm swimming around um, all of them separately. Um, and that will be over uh, a space of time. So I'm, I'm like hoping to complete them within three years, as I, what, what I'm aiming for. Um, there's quite a big training period between each island and also a big recovery period as well. Um, I trained last year to do Formentera and then, like I said, COVID stopped us from, from getting to that point last year. Um, and when I, after I put all the training in, when I stopped, I was completely floored for about a month. So, you know, the recovery period is, is quite long. It does, it does knock you a little bit, because you're putting your body through extreme um, measures so um, the first one will be Formentera 72 kilometers and it will be one I'm hoping to do it in one sweep ideally under 24 hours is what I'm aiming for so I'll swim from night into night again Um, it's an unassisted swim which means that I can swim with a only a swimming costume a swimming cap and it's one swimming cap as well sometimes people wear two for um, insulation and a pair of goggles and I'm not allowed to touch the boat at any point. So I have to tread water while I'm eating. Um, obviously I have to go to the toilet and the sea as well. Question that I get asked a lot about, <laughs> everyone wants to know about that. Um, and yeah, and so if I touch the boat, it turns into what's called a stage swim. Um, but for it to be recognized by the World Swimming Association, um, I'm doing it unassisted. So I will have a support boat with me and I'll have also on that support boat, my performance manager, Abby Adams um, from Project Woman. She'll be there um, keeping me going and uh, yeah, keeping me sane and feeding me and just making sure and checking in with me, making sure I'm obviously not um, struggling or I'm not coming towards hypothermia. Um, also have a doctor on the boat for any sort of medical um, emergencies and then obviously we have the skipper and then we have just a few other people that will be there to support just to make sure that everything's running smoothly and to help out where it needs to be as well um, but it was quite a small team that we're using on this one um, my nutritionist uh, she will be behind the scenes she's not going to be on the boat um, but yeah it's quite a small uh, operation on this first one that we're going for trying to keep it as simple as possible and trying to keep costs down so with the money that we raise then we can put more into the charity that's swimming for as well wow i mean what you know as you said mindset is absolutely everything and to swim for 24 hours without stopping i mean that's that's serious swimming what is it that's going to keep you mentally strong and sane and, and to keep you going so there's a couple of things actually that um, I still I, and what I practice now is definitely what I'll be using on my swim as well. Um, I kind of have a, 
a whole routine and warm up to just even getting in the water, um, whether that be certain podcasts that I listen to, um, tunes. I have a playlist um, of lots of tunes on them that I, I remember in my head, um, which usually that goes out the window when you start swimming. <laughs> that doesn't usually, uh, you know, you can think of all these songs once you get into the water. It's just one song that plays continuously <laughs> for the whole, however long you're in the water for. Um, and then once I get into the water, my mindset usually straight away is focused on what I'm trying to achieve from the swim. So it's not necessarily getting to the finish line for me it's hoping that I can build awareness and understanding and bring uh, child PTSD to um, a wider audience so people actually understand it um, when you think of PTSD a lot of the time people think of ex-servicemen and um, it is like I said a very misunderstood and misdiagnosed uh, condition that I do want to be able to hopefully allow people to understand better um, so that's one thing that is definitely um, is is very important to me and is something I focus on a lot throughout swimming especially when I hit walls which can happen quite often and um, when shoulders become tired when you slow your pace down I'm always going back to the things that are the most important to me that drive me to get to the end so focusing on um, the children hopefully that I will be able to help hopefully be able to inspire uh, the charity that I'm doing it for which is Young Minds UK um, and the money that we will raise for them will go towards putting up hubs around the UK um, for children to be able to access help uh, on their own terms, but uh, for but quickly. So if instead of going onto the system through the NHS where they have to go onto waiting lists like I did when I was younger, instead they can access these hubs um, as soon as they need to. They can walk into one and they can self-refer them, um, refer themselves and get the help that they need. So all the money will go towards helping to build those around the UK. So that's a real drive for me um, to continue swimming. And then the third thing is uh, to hopefully raise more awareness and more money. We have a global swim club, it's called Lisa's Global Swim Club, which is getting launched very soon um, in the next, hopefully in the next week. And through that, anyone anywhere in the world can swim with me from any distance, whether it be the, the smallest distance is 100 meters, so that's um, four legs of a 25 meter pool. And they can swim in their pool, they can swim in a river, a lake, or the sea. And you join the club, we build a community um, through Facebook, and we have kind of check in. And you also have a little training program to get you started. And then on the day, when you jump into the water with me, I get a little board that comes up at the side of the boat that will say, let's say for example, Joe, you're going to swim and it'll say, Joe's just jumped into the sea in Ibiza and she's going to swim 100 metres now with you. And then I know that you're with me and that will help to keep me going as well. So I'm like, OK, Joe's in the water or someone else around the world is in the water swimming with me at the same time. And through that, we are building more awareness um, and also the benefits of what swimming can do for mental health. So those are really my kind of three main focuses. Okay, I love that idea of somebody uh, swimming alongside you, even in spirit, and kind of feeling them from afar. And uh, yeah, that kind of feels like a really nice idea, actually. I love that. I'll definitely, definitely be signing up to that. Is the best place to go to your Five Island Swim? The Five Island Swim dot com. That's the other. That's the website. So if you go onto there, that has all the information on it. We keep up to date with what's coming up as well. We've got some beach cleans that will be happening. Um, we're actually going to do beach cleans in areas that I swim. So um, there will be a beach clean in Formentera as well. So that will get put up 
hopefully soon the dates will be up for that one um so you can come and do beach cleans with me as well because we do like to focus on sustainability and just making sure that we're keeping everything as clean as possible uh with in the waters um, that's something i've definitely seen change over the years of swimming um, around the balearic so just trying to do my part to ensure that we keep everything as clean as possible it is a non-plastic and no waste um, expedition as well what changes have you seen in the water over the years have you been swimming in the balearics so i think about from when i was younger i mean like i said you know exactly what the water's like around the balearics are beautiful um but i've seen more and more plastic over time obviously during different parts of the season as well um there's obviously far more rubbish in the the ocean um seeing plastic bags on the the um the bed the seabed i've seen decrease a huge decrease in fish in certain areas reef that has died over time um so there's a lot of impact i've seen happen um fish is definitely something that i've noticed a lot in areas that i saw thriving when i was younger and i'd be swimming to what i've seen over the last kind of 10 years has changed hugely mm. So sad. I guess the water is a tiny bit warmer as well, which probably helps a little <laughs> bit for your kind of challenge. Um, talk to me about jellyfish. I mean, we talked about Diana and her uh, extreme hardcore mentalness, but <laughs> I think like well, she's swimming around and she's clearly not bothered about the sharks or the jellyfish stings. What what kind of precautions do you take against getting stung? Because there are loads of them here normally in July and August. That's right. I'm swimming in jellyfish season. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the precautions, there's, there's not a massive amount that you take. Um, when I first started training for the swim seven years ago, um, when I first had it in sight and, and just wasn't able to, to get myself to that point at the time, uh, cause my PTSD was still very much rearing its head quite often. And, um, but when I was swimming and training, I, I trained by swimming through them, um, and just getting used to getting stung by them. The ones that have, are in the Mediterranean luckily aren't deadly, but if you are stung by too many jellyfish, it can take a bit of a hit on the respiratory system. So you do have to obviously be careful. Um, it is a case of having people looking out for them and dodging what you can and uh, and hoping for the best. So the precautions that you take is, is making sure you've got people with great eyesight. <laughs> you can keep an eye while they're on the boat um, and, and making sure that you have goggles that don't fog up too much so you're able to see where you're going um shark wise as i'm sure you know we we don't have to worry too much about that in the mediterranean but it doesn't mean they're not there i know that they've tracked great whites in the mediterranean before and with sea temperatures rising um that is something that can we can encounter uh, more often than not these days um around the world so it is something you have to be aware of and you do have people that will be looking out for that but it is something that isn't isn't too much of an issue, um, and it is just something. Also, I try not to think about just to make sure that you you, know, you remove yourself from that that thought when you're in the water is, is very important. Otherwise, you wouldn't get anywhere in the sea. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I remember reading about a guy who swam down some kind of Amazonian river, like some Turkish. I think he was Turkish or Eastern European, and um, I think he used to drink a couple of bottles of wine every day to basically keep him going. And he used to lube himself up with lots of Vaseline to to ward off the piranhas. <laughs> Which I was just like... I remember reading that in the paper once years ago. I, I didn't research it before we chatted, but I just suddenly sprang to my mind and I was like, oh my God, what an absolute crazy man. 
<laughs> I will definitely be looking that up after this. Yeah, no, he definitely. And I just had this vision of these like piranhas sort of dangling off his nipples by their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure about the wine drinking. As much as I do love a glass of red wine, um, I also do know that the effect of it as well. So for the first few hours, you might feel great, but I'm sure after that it would be. But something obviously works for him. <laughs> Fair enough. Definitely. Work for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's obviously his meditative tool. I mean, who knows? That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Staying in the zone for <laughs> a couple of bottles of uh, Rioja por favor. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, um, how, you know, how much uh, training are you doing for this, uh, this swim? I know that you're not doing it all in one hit, but 72k round Formentera is, uh, you know, is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of training that's involved and that will change um, when I go into obviously longer distances, the islands are longer um, each, each island do. So the Formentera is the second smallest of the islands. Um so the training that I'm doing at the moment is actually funny enough, my, my recovery is what's most important to me. Um, I'm a movement specialist and um, I spent many years training in lots of different types of movement and understanding kind of uh, peak performance training and how to reach optimal performance and um, endurance and all these types of things for not just for athletes, but for the everyday person as well, from anyone that's kind of off the couch all the way through to an athlete. And the thing that I've started to, over the last kind of probably four years, start to focus on more and more is recovery. So recovery is actually the most important part of my training. Um, But I do train four days solidly out of seven. Um, But in my recovery days, my recovery days, I'm still doing other types of training. So I might be adding in something like uh, my meditation, my myofascial, I might put in a bit more of a deeper stretch practice. Um, but when I'm actually training in the water, and this is at the moment, this will go up uh, what we are in April. So the end of this month, my training goes up significantly. Um, but at the moment, I'll train in the pool anything between five to seven hours. And I split that sometimes between uh, two sessions in a day. And I'm swimming. I can be swimming back and forth lengths, or I sometimes add drills into that as well, um, which is where you might do different types of strokes and so on just to build the strength up. But a lot of the time, I'm just trying to get in distance. And what will happen at the end of this month is I will then have to start translating that into the ocean. Obviously, Scotland is very cold. um, So swimming long distances in the sea is a lot harder here. So I don't train as much in the ocean here. and also, it's completely different uh, types of, of water that I'm swimming in. Obviously, the Mediterranean is completely different to the North Sea. Um, and I would have to put in a lot more weight here and have to take more weight off for Formentera. So it's kind of slightly counteractive. So at the end of this month, I will go to, um, I'll be in Formentera and also I train in Fuerteventura as well, which is in the Canary Islands, because uh, the water temperature is, is um, of a good good temperature there and I will then have to start getting my long distance in within the ocean so I'll be swimming anything between 10 to 17 kilometers and you have to kind of keep that up at least three times in the week so you'll do it three times a week and then the rest of the time I'll be in the pool training um, and then ideally what you're aiming to do is get to really about a 25 kilometer swim confidently you should be doing them regularly to know that you'll be able to hit that 72 kilometers so I'll never actually swim 72 kilometers before the swim um, you actually only do that on the day. And prior to doing the actual swim, 
Um, you take a full week off where you don't do anything at all and you really have to just completely rest for that week. Um, you don't lose any of the muscle memory or any of the strength that you've built. And then you come back to do the actual swim. And because you've taken so much rest time, you're actually you're able to excel a little bit more, which means that you're able to keep that stamina throughout the two kilometers. Fingers crossed. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. I just, yeah, cannot begin to imagine uh, what that is in terms of an undertaking. Intriguingly, actually, it's, it's, this is um, this episode's coming out the day before the Ibiza Marathon. So I think there'll be a lot of people uh, listening to this going, Christ, I wish I hadn't done that uh, midweek run and uh, <laughs> gone to the gym five times this week. Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that rest period prior is very, very important. Anyone that's listening, take it if you can, because it is, um, yeah, I definitely have found that um, I, I, I incorporate a lot of cold water recovery and also heated recovery through sauna, like at an 80 degrees for 25 minutes. And then I follow that by an ice bath at six degrees for uh, 10 to 15 minutes. And even just that slight recovery there has helped to up my endurance and my performance. And then taking the recovery in between is being crucial. And I found that I've actually this time around, because I've implemented recovery a lot more this time around, I found that my um, distance is going up a lot quicker and I'm able to maintain that for longer periods of time. So I would definitely advise anyone that is listening to this that does any sort of endurance training that the recovery is is crucial to add that in and I think you would see a huge improvement in your performance as well mm. no I, yeah I mean I definitely feel it myself even just taking a day in between workouts at the gym um really do make a massive massive difference instead of just trying to go every single day which was my usual tactic and um, I'm glad I'm not yeah. doing that anymore actually because it was quite torturous <laughs> I'm also interested in 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 sort of listening to you talking about um you know you were sort of saying on one of your posts on Instagram about obviously how you know way back when you were all about kind of being lean and um obviously slim and that that doesn't really lend itself to your current challenge which I guess is all about sort of strength as well as fitness so how is that kind of mindset change in terms of um, body image so yeah that's um I mean if, if yeah if you'd known me a few years back I mean my my throughout my life and I think with I, my eating I had I had eating disorders growing up and that, that really stemmed from my well, I mean, the earliest I can remember is three years old and that's kind of you know gone through my whole life and then being a performer um, and, you know, being on stage and so on. And in that kind of environment and industry definitely had an impact on how I viewed myself and my body and my relationship with my body. And as I started to get more and more into swimming and as my mental health has now improved tenfold, um, that has definitely shifted. But as I've become more driven towards doing this specific swim I've also had to learn what will allow me to achieve it and the the most important thing outside of my recovery outside of my training is my nutrition and I have a fantastic nutritionist Ashley Roy um, who is all about simplifying the noise around nutrition and I'm sure as, as you may know yourself or anyone else that is ever exploring nutrition anyway if you've ever looked into it there's so much out there it's so confusing there's so many things that are conflicting to one another and it can be quite daunting for a lot of people and I think that's probably what would happen to me a, a lot of the time is that I knew not eating and I knew having eating disorders was not 
healthy for me uh, mentally or physically um, but it's it's again like an addiction that you have and you, you continue on this path that kind of spirals out of control and you fluctuate in and out of it and whenever I'd feel in a really good place where I felt like I had control and and, and you know grip on on what was going on with my body I would then sometimes open myself to the idea of getting uh, to educate myself, I guess, to, to get professional help with maybe a nutritionist, but also just to try to educate myself. And I'd go and look into it all and there'd be so much. And I'd think, oh my goodness, it's so overwhelming. And I'd end up just falling back into that routine again um, that was so familiar to me of not eating. And then as I started training for this swim, so three years ago, Ashley came on board and she she's a very, she has a great approach and she... Um, lets you talk about kind of your relationship with your body and she's very nurturing and, and very caring and very kind and so I felt instantly comfortable to talk to her about it and then from there I started to really understand the importance of what I need to do with fueling my body how I really need to support myself sometimes I used to go out for swims the long long distances and not eat anything you know I mean I could not do that now I mean these days I eat between kind of five to six meals throughout a day so it's completely different now and I found that also supporting my body in that way I'm my the way I look at my body is completely different um and knowing that to achieve something like this I can only do it by making sure I'm fueling myself correctly that is that is so important to me over failing at what I'm trying to do because I'm not looking after my body enough um so I guess it kind of, for me, I don't know if it's for, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it's kind of come hand in hand. It's been a natural progression because I got to a point that I wasn't fueling enough. I wasn't able to swim further. And when Ashley kind of made me understand and helped me understand in a really simplistic way of what I need to do to be able to ensure I can go that extra distance, when I implemented it, I found that I didn't put more weight on. I felt that I toned up more, that I actually maintained a better weight. Um, I didn't fluctuate and I actually had more energy. My anxiety decreased, um, which meant I started to feel better about myself, which meant I looked at myself in a different way. And then I was able to keep achieving those goals and keep hitting them each time. And that just became something that brought more positivity into myself, made me find my capabilities, made me feel more confident. And so it's kind of swung around quite naturally just from reaching out and getting that help and having someone who is very knowledgeable, but also just keeps it very simple, um, but also allows you to be how you have to around that as well. So I found that, yeah, Ashley's probably being the, the biggest help for me to get me to this point now where I'm actually more interested in having big shoulders and strong legs and a strong body over the, uh, you know, what I used to want to look like years ago. Mm. It's interesting, though, how that, you know, perspective changes when you're, you know, wanting to look a certain way. But obviously, that's not necessarily conducive to achieving these kinds of goals that you've set yourself. So you have to let go of that, I guess, at some point in the game, if you really want to get to the point where you are going to achieve what you've set out to do, which is nothing short of, yeah, I mean, huge, absolutely huge. Like I said, if I, it took me 12 days to walk around Ibiza, um, for you to swim the circumference of it is... Um, 
is going to take you quite a few quite a few days I would imagine maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe a week yeah <laughs> yeah it will take a, a long time actually I will be doing um on as, as the islands get bigger I, I will be doing stage swims on those so you know we'll be staying though on the sea so not on land um I'll have to stay on a boat and then get back into the water so just enough rest period and then back into the water and swim obviously when you get to Mallorca that's a pretty long distance so um yeah trying to complete that in one sweep will be I'm not going to say it's impossible who knows it could be possible um no one's ever done it and it is a very very long distance um I've seen obviously what Diana Nez looks like when she came out of the water after 110 miles so who knows I'm not going to say it's definitely not going to happen but I do also I am actually fine with it being a stage swim as well um what did she look like uh, well, you can actually, if you go on YouTube and you type in, um, type in Diana Ned's uh, end, end of swim or something like that into YouTube and it comes up um, and she was completely, I mean, so when, when you do an unassisted swim and you want it to be recognised, you can, it's not recognised to the point that you step completely out of water. So you have to be on dry land completely, your feet can't even be in the sea. And they've got all these people down at the beach and Bonnie, who is her performance manager, her best friend, um, is calling at her, trying to keep, and you can see them, they've locked eyes. And she's at this very last part, this is, you know, 60 years of her life to accomplish this moment. And she's walking towards her and she's, her arms are just dead. Her legs are all wobbly. I mean, she's in, she's just been in salt water. So her face is completely swollen. Her lips are humongous um, and she's, literally stumbling i mean she actually looks like she's drunk to be honest maybe like the guy who goes down the amazon it sounds like a right there, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of women walking around in a beat like that uh, <laughs> to be fair yeah actually i don't know why i was so shocked by it because i've seen it a lot of times before <laughs> but she just looks slept. very drunk <laughs> she looks like she's been clubbing all night which is i guess another thing is that we've all done you know these marathon club nights you know so i try to compare sometimes it to that this, this long swim i think to myself well you know i've danced all night and not stopped so you know the swim's kind of the same in some respects and i'll be leaving the water as i've left a nightclub before so <laughs> looking safe, safe, straight I'm sure. into dc10 <laughs> that's it exactly yeah. <laughs> oh god well i'm so so impressed that you've even decided that this is something that you you know you think that you're gonna actually conquer and i'm sure you will you sound like a very determined lady and i absolutely wish you all the best with it and um, please do keep us updated on on how it's all going and um maybe we should catch up again um in july when you've um actually achieved your goal and um you look like diana <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fresh out the, with Pamela Anderson lips. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you yeah, send us a photo. It's a lip job, I don't think. But <laughs> well, Joe, when I'm when I'm over in um, in Formentera in July, and we'll be out on uh, training days on the boat where we just go out for a few hours or so here and there. So if you're ever around, you want to jump on a boat and actually experience any of the training days, you're more than welcome to come along and and see what we get up to as well. So please know that you're invited anytime thank you i would love that yes please i'll take you up on that but um do definitely keep in touch and um and let us know how it's all going and i wish you yeah so much love and so much luck with the project i hope that you um you, you smash it and if anybody wants to go and sponsor and um keep an eye and keep track as well and that's the five islands swim.com yeah 
Excellent. Yeah. And also just, yeah, just to note that if, uh, if any, anyone wants to donate to the swim or anything, then all the money is going towards Young Minds UK. Um, and they're a fantastic, fantastic charity with lots and lots of action behind their words. So do check them out if you're interested. Um, yeah, they're a fantastic charity. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa Shaw from, uh, from Scotland. Bonnie from Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> Stay off the fried mouth bars. We'll catch yeah. up with you soon. <laughs> Thanks so much, Joe. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye. It's the Come to you every day.